he's given you a special opportunity today to hear a wonderful, wonderful person share with you out of God's word. And you are in for a special treat today. Anybody want a treat today? My kids always want treats. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm going to let him sit for a moment, but Danny and Lisa, why don't you raise your hands for us? Danny and Lisa Pierce, it's my pleasure to introduce you to them today. Danny and his wife, Lisa, are dear, dear friends, and they're partners in ministry. I mean, you want to talk about folks that stand with you through thick and thin. Danny and Lisa are those type of people. Danny and his wife, Lisa, have been a part of CFCF and our CFI movement of churches um, for over a decade, up to 12-plus years, many, many years. And uh, they've been members at our church. They've been faith group leaders. They've been training school directors. They've been hosters of people in their homes <laughs> in, in so many incredible ways. They've, they've thrown themselves into whatever God has given them to to expand his church, to see a pipeline of people who come to know Jesus and make him known throughout the nations. And Danny and Lisa have been really graciously used of the Lord. I want to say the thing that has most impressed me, and there's many things that have impressed me about Danny and his wife, Lisa, about them is that they have always said yes to Jesus when it all came down to it in their lives. When they came, they have said yes. Danny started out, I mean, Lisa is an extrovert, or at least close, right? You're an extrovert, right? Danny, I mean, I couldn't get Danny off the back row for, right? we couldn't get him off for a year or two. He was just firmly ensconced back there looking around, even back when the, this used to be a different direction. But, <laughs> but Danny and Lisa have continued to say yes to the calling of Jesus in their lives. These guys live what they believe. I mean, if you have any question about it, Danny and Lisa live what they believe about a heart for Jesus, what they believe about, about sharing Jesus and taking risks. Um, uh, uh, Danny himself, the, uh, not the most extroverted guy in the world, was uh, right down at uh, Harvard Street here uh, handing out water bottles uh, with another, <laughs> it was just so funny, Danny and a guy named Bruce, who were two of, just not the two guys you'd say are like, go meet everybody in one, one fell swoop. And they were both out there, just so committed to the gospel, handing out water bottles with all the bar action going on in the middle of the night and people cursing at them, uh, saying it's a bleep and great idea for them to be out there, but they're willing to do whatever they can to make Jesus known. They persevered with honor in every way. Some people walk the walk, talk the talk, but other people walk the walk. This is Danny and Lisa. They're currently serving in Indonesia because they want Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 to come to pass. They want every nation, every tribe, every people, those who've never heard the good news of Jesus to come to know him. And they put their, their money, their lives, everything on the line. Danny is going to be sharing with us today about the hope of Jesus' presence. And we're celebrating Jesus in this Advent season. And I can't think, Danny rightly divides the word of truth. Danny is a, is a wonderful teacher, and we're honored to have him with us today and his wife. Let's welcome Danny Pierce. Come on up and share with us today. All right. Let me pray. 
pray with me? Lord, we thank you for Danny. We thank you for the Pierce family, that you have called them. And you've not only called them, they've said yes. We're asking today that the yes in Danny and Lisa's spirit to Jesus, the yes in their spirit to accomplishing the Great Commission, the yes in their spirit to persevering when it gets hard, would get transferred to us today. I want a dose of it. Give me a dose of Danny and Lisa's spirit before Jesus. And give all of us that so that we can love you more effectively and see this kingdom of God established in our generation. That you would come back through the clouds, Jesus, and you'd be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Here you want to... Do I get to keep this? All these nice things you said about me? Good morning, guys. So good to be here with you. Um, do I need to do something different, Mike? Great. Uh, yeah, so good to be here. Um, good to see some familiar faces, some new ones. Uh, it's fun to be back at CFCF. Uh, so next month will be 13 years that I, I started going here to, to CFCF. And, uh, and I, I made a comment when I, I spoke here back in 2011, right before we moved to Indonesia. That at that point, I think it was eight and a half years. And I said, like, in CFCF years, that's an eternity. I don't know what 13 years would be, but it's eternity plus a few. Uh, and so, am I, I'm still kind of, what's the word? A little hot. This mic is hot. Um, so, it's, yeah, so it's good to be here. <laughs> Some things never change, bro. I noticed that this morning. You know, things look a little different, right? You got new signage. But it's still the same old signs in the sense that they only point you to the general zip code of a bathroom. You know, have you guys noticed that? Things just don't change, brother. Someone's got to bring the truth, Jeff. That was me. Okay. So uh, I love being back at Boston. Boston really is my home. I love it here. Uh, it's been fun. I, you know, I got to take my kids to Fenway Park this past summer, which is pretty much heaven on earth. Uh, and so bringing my children there is, was a big deal for me, uh, growing up as a lifelong Sox fan. Um, getting to drive down Starro Drive, one of my favorite places, when it's not traffic-y, that is. One of my favorite places to drive, and coming down on 93 at night uh, from, from the North Shore, and you come out, and I can't remember where the, what exit it is, but you see the lights of the city, and i just like, yes, this is awesome. I'm going to do it again later tonight. I can't wait. Uh, and it's just... Got to, a couple few weeks ago, one of my favorite things, got to go see a BC hockey game. I love that. Uh, see them win. And so, we have any BC people? No? No love for the hockey team, apparently. <laughs> Jeez. Can we hear it for the Northeastern chess team? Is that anybody? No? <laughs> yeah, go Huskies. All right. So, uh, <laughs> I lost myself. This is not, it's not my notes. So good to be here. And, you know, and nostalgia kicks in, right? You come back. I've, I've been, we've been gone. We moved four and a half years ago to 10,000 miles away from home. And, uh, and nostalgia kicks in. And um, I was just thinking, uh, I think it was November in 2005, so just over 10 years ago. may not have been November, but somewhere around there. Uh, sitting in the, the living room at 38 Etna with, with Jeff and... And, uh, sorry, wow. Um, and uh, I opened up to Jeff, I was the first person I'd ever opened up to about really struggling with depression. 
and, and fighting that. And I uh, had been trying to battle it on my own for a long time. And, you know, when you're meeting with somebody and they ask you, how are you doing? And, but it's not the normal, how are you doing? It's like they actually want to know. <laughs> uh, and I got that from Jeff that day. And I was not planning on it, but I just kind of, blah. Um, and, uh, you know, the Lord works in a lot of different ways. Um, and he, he loves to use people. Um, to accomplish his means. And, and Jeff, more than any person on this planet, was responsible for me getting pulled out of depression. And so I'm, I'm so thankful for you, brother. I really am. And we had a lot of great times in 38 Aetna. Uh, when I left, he hadn't, they hadn't bought this new house, so I'm still thinking of the old one. And I remember sitting on, in that living room, me, Craig Carter, who some of you guys know, he's, he's moved to a different state, uh, saying, Jeff, we are never going to date another CFCF girl ever again. So we're done. We are done with CFCF girls. And we lied, apparently, because we both ended up marrying CFCF girls. So all's well that ends well. Don't give up hope is what I'm saying. All right. So. Well. (laughs) Transition. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, so um, the presence of God, yeah, how do you do that, you know? This is, by the way, this is normally where preachers just say, okay, let's pray, which is really just a cover for, I got to pull it together, uh, but whatever. Um, so it's fun. I, I'm really excited to, to speak with you guys. This, this really is a, a topic I think about a lot, the presence of God. Um, some of you in the training school got to hear some of my thoughts on this, so, you know, this is part two or something. Um, but I love this theme in Scripture. I see it everywhere. Uh, it, it has changed the way I view my life, uh, our ministry, our family. Um, hopefully some of that will come out today. And so, and, and Christmas time is a great time to think about this, right? Uh, because that's, I mean, this is what we're celebrating. Uh, we're celebrating that God is with us and that he has come. Uh, and so this theme of Emmanuel, right, which is a Hebrew word that means God with us. And uh, so how I'm going to approach today, um, it's a little different. So normally if I pre- when I preach, which is like almost never, um, and most of you guys have only heard me preach maybe once, if ever. So, uh, but I like to stick to one place. I kind of open up one text, stick there, we, we, we mine it for everything we can and see what the Lord is speaking. But once in a while, you come up on a, on a topic or a text, and I feel like understanding what scriptures as a whole say is really helpful. Uh, it, it gives us, it changes the way we, it's, it's a worldview transformation. That's a lot of what scripture does for us. And so today, I'm going to focus more on uh, what some people might call the meta-narrative, right? We're going to talk the big story of the presence of God and what scripture says. Uh, and so uh, that means we're going to kind of fly quick. So I apologize, sort of. That's a half-hearted apology. Because um, I think it's, it's good. It's necessary. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, but really what I'm trying to think of when I, when I think of this is, so why did God come to this earth? Right? You ever think about this question? Like, why could he have just sent an angel or could he have just sent a, a you know, symbolic God with us? Not actually God with us, but done it in some symbolic way. Um, and, and, you know, this is something, the presence of God is what we were created for. 
When you go to the end of Scripture, which we're not going to cover all of this today, but uh, the end of Scripture, uh, and and when all is said and done, and Jesus has come back, and and the the dead in Christ are raised, and we are transformed to become like Him. And and, in the end end of Revelation talks about how we will live with God, unmediated, unfiltered presence of God. This is what we were created for. Now, I haven't experienced that fully, right? And we really won't until Jesus comes back. But that's the end goal. That's where we're headed, right? Um, and so uh, that's what we were created for. And I think living in the Muslim world has actually given me a great appreciation for this. Uh, I've done a lot of reading in, in Muslim theology, read through the Quran a couple times. Uh, and this is probably the, the belief within Christianity that most Muslims would find most abhorrent. The thought that God would come to earth. Right? And, and if you really think about it, it's a radical idea. It, it, it is, in a lot of ways, offensive. I know we like to think of God as basically a better version of us. Right? He's like Danny, only without all the flaws and better looking. Right? <laughs> and, and so we, that's how we think of God, but he's really not like us. Right? Uh, and so while obviously I don't um, agree with, uh, with Islamic theology in this point, I understand their point that they want to emphasize the transcendence of God which is fully 100% true, which makes the fact that he came to this earth all that much more remarkable. And it still begs the question, why? Why would he ever do that? And so, um, and, and if you go back, way back to the beginning, right, the first time we kind of see this theme pop up is in the middle of a tragic story of uh, Adam and Eve sinning, right, in Genesis 3. Sorry, this cord is getting caught here. Uh, Adam and Eve sinning. And, and God comes down to walk with Adam and Eve. Right? Take a stroll with them in the garden. Now, I've gone on many walks in my life. Uh, never run, just walk. Uh, and I was a baseball player. We try not to run, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I've taken many walks in my life. And I have taken walks where I felt the presence of God. Right? But uh, I can't say in this sense that God actually walked with me, right? I wish I could, but I haven't had that experience, at least not yet. Uh, But in the middle of this tragic story, we see God comes down to take a walk with Adam and Eve. And what are they doing? They're hiding. They're hiding because they're ashamed of their own sin. And because of their sin, and because they rejected God, God kicks them out of the garden and removes them from His presence. Do you see? This is tragic. Absolutely tragic. And the human story since that point has been a story of the longing for the presence of God. We all want it. The whole world wants it. Whether or not they even realize it, they want to be in the presence of God. Is that right? Amen? But we're separated. (laughs) Because of our sin and because of our shame. Right? We've separated ourselves, and God has separated us from Him. But He doesn't stop there, right? If you read throughout the rest of the Old Testament, and again, we're going to go through like thousands of years of human history in about 10 seconds. You ready? Strap in. Um, Like the Exodus, you guys know the story, right? Israel has been enslaved for more than 400 years in Egypt. And God leads them in. Obviously, you just watch a movie or something. Or don't, (laughs) uh, as the case may be. Um, And God leads them out. And His presence shows up. Right? You remember this? In nighttime, there's this fire that leads them to freedom. 
right? And during the day, there's this dark cloud. And if they just follow God's presence, they will experience freedom from slavery. Do you see? That's what the presence of God brings. Or I think of uh, David, right? The great king of Israel. Israel, um, under the the rule of of Saul, who was, I don't know if I'd call him wicked, (laughs) Um, but he was not a king who honored the Lord. And, uh, and he was a coward. We see that in the whole David and Goliath story. Didn't trust that God would do what God said he would do. And so God said, it's time for a new king. And if you read this story, it's in 1 Samuel, where uh, the Spirit of God comes on David and empowers him to rescue the people of Israel. right? To bring them out of oppression. Because that's what the Spirit of God brings. It brings freedom and rescue, salvation from oppression. Or think about the prophets and, and Isaiah 61. Right? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has come upon me. Jesus quotes this about Himself. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has come on me. Right? To preach the good news. Proclaim freedom for the captives. Right? Those in darkness will be brought out of light. Those who are mourning will be comforted. You see? That, that, that there's freedom and joy and forgiveness that comes with the presence of God. Uh, or the temple, right? All these uh, chapters about the building of the temple. Really exciting stuff, right? Uh, and it's a great story of when Solomon and, and Israel, they build the temple, and they dedicate the temple to God. And Solomon says, hey, look, uh, it's not like God actually just lives here. He doesn't live in this house like you and I live in a house. But He has given us this place where we can meet with His presence. And the presence of God falls down so strong that all of the priests in the temple fall down. They cannot stand up. It's a crazy story. Imagine if, I mean, that just happened today, and Becky goes, Whoop, like that. Actually, I'd be worried. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? This is, the, 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 the story is about the presence of God. And the temple is where they would go to experience and know forgiveness in the presence of God. Read through the Psalms, and notice how many times they talk about wanting to go to the temple, wanting to go to the holy hill, Right? And we kind of make these metaphors, which is great now, but they meant it literally. Right? When the psalmist says, it's better one day in the courts of God. Right? The courts of God, that's the outer section of the temple. We're not even talking about getting right into the middle where His presence is really strong. He's saying, I would rather spend one day in the fringes of the presence of God than a thousand days anywhere else. You see how important this is? This theme of the presence of God. It's the identifying mark of His people. But, because of their sin and their continued rejection of God, over hundreds of years, God says, enough is enough. And He lets them go into exile. And and, and the prophet Ezekiel has this vision, and it's, it's terrifying of the presence of God leaving the temple. He ups, picks up, and leaves. He says, enough. Right? And so separation from the presence of God once again. And, and now, the old, and the, you continue in the Old Testament, they come back and they rebuild the temple, but they never experience the presence of God like they did. But the prophets continue to say, hey, he's coming back. Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Zechariah, and Malachi, they all, and, and other prophets, they all stress, the presence of God is coming. God will return. Right? He will come back. And there's salvation and forgiveness and hope. 
that will come with the presence of God. But the Old Testament ends with a giant question mark, where is God? And I'll never get tired of his answer because he gives us a little baby. Emmanuel, God with us. He's returned. You know, and and Colossians says, you know, the fullness of deity dwells with him, right? He is God in the flesh. And he's returned for his people. And we see this, this, why this is so important throughout his life when the presence of God comes. And we could, story after story, but you think um, in Mark 5, it tells the story of, uh, of a, a man who's possessed by a whole legion of demons. Right? So oppressed, <laughs> so, uh, so badly possessed that he can't be around other people and he lives in a graveyard. Right? Lives in a cemetery. Everyone's afraid of him. And one day Jesus shows up and he sets that man free from oppression. So do you see, that man could not go to the presence of God. So the presence of God came to him. Or I think about, you know, again, many stories, this man with a withered hand, I don't actually even know what a withered hand means. Um, But in that day, uh, if you had any kind of physical uh, deformity or defect, you couldn't go to the temple, right? That's where they want to go, to be in the presence of God. But he couldn't go. He was separated. And one day, I think it was at the synagogue, if I remember correctly, on the Sabbath, right? Where Jesus calls him out, has him stand up, which I imagine was probably embarrassing. And Jesus heals him. He makes him whole. So do you see, that man could not go to the presence of God. So the presence of God came to him. Or one of my favorite stories, uh, uh, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. Uh, and this was not like just a, a regular cut, right? Uh, but a woman who was basically, if put it this way, menstruating for 12 straight years. Which I imagine would be pretty horrible. Uh, and, um, and it's not just the physical pain, right? But if you remember in, in, the, in the law at that time, that she's considered unclean and therefore couldn't go to the presence of God. And not only is she unclean, anything and anyone she touches is unclean. You, you know this? If she sat in a chair, anyone that chair is now unclean. And anyone sits in that chair, unclean, right? If she touches a person, she makes them unclean for 12 straight years. So she's separated from the presence of God. She's separated from people. Anyone who's going to even touch her has to accept that they are now unclean and have to go through all these procedures to become clean so they could go to the presence of God. Twelve years of separation, of misery, of being excluded. And then one day she hears Jesus is coming. So she gets into a crowd of people. You know the story. And she reaches out and just touches like the edge of his robe. Right? And is instantly healed. And Jesus' response, <laughs> uh, again, it's an interesting one. He stops. Who touched me? You know, I remember the disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? There's a thousand people here. It's a fair question of theirs. <laughs> uh, but Jesus says, who touched me? And he calls out this, this woman stands up. And I cannot imagine the courage it took for her to stand up in front of everybody. And you have to imagine what she was expecting, right? Because she's unclean. Even though she knows she was just healed. Not everybody else knows that. She's unclean. And she touched him. 
So therefore, he's unclean. And he's going to call her out in front of everybody. Right? That had to have been what she was thinking. But instead, Jesus, to this poor suffering woman, says to her daughter, your faith has made you well. You see, he pulled her back in. This woman suffering, bleeding, miserable, excluded for 12 straight years. She could not go to the presence of God. So the presence of God came to her. And this is why God came. Because we live in a world of broken, hurting people. Some of it, their own fault, their own sin, their own rejection of Him. Some of it, to no fault of their own. They're oppressed, they're enslaved, they're sick, they're wounded, hurting, they've been abused. But God came because that is the only hope for a broken and hurting world. We actually need the presence of God. Um, now, I guess in one sense, there, there's the, still the, the, the what now question, right? So Jesus is not physically here with us. Um, he, he left, right? Uh, and now, if you think about it, it and from one perspective, right, after Jesus died and rose from the dead, and he's, uh, for 40 days, I believe it was, right, appearing to his, his followers, teaching them, eating with them, hanging out. Uh, and then one day he leaves. The presence of God leaves once again. Uh, and if, if we think about it from the, the storyline, starting in Genesis, that's actually, it can be pretty sad, right? The presence of God is left once again. Um, but... <laughs> He, he promises them something. Uh, in, in the Gospel of John, he tells them, hey, it's actually better for you that I leave. Because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Right? It's better for you that I leave. And it, it, this sounds almost heretical, if I can say that Jesus sounds almost heretical. Uh, and so, he's not heretical. It just sounds like it. No. Um, because, you know, I mean, what's better than Jesus physically walking into this room, Right? I mean, that would be awesome. But the truth is, is Jesus, as is, is, is a man on this earth, can be in one place at one time. Right? And as amazing as it was for him to come in and bring the presence of God everywhere he went, because he is, in fact, God himself, he's still only in one place at one time. So he says to you, it's better that I leave. Because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the very Spirit of the living God. And his presence will not leave. Do you, do you see where we're going with this, right? Okay. You're picking up what I'm putting down, right? Acts 1.8. Jesus says, so I shouldn't give you a fair warning, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a missionary. And so I'm obligated to talk about this. Uh, I will lose my, my, my card. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, that's not why I'm talking about this, obviously. Um, but stop and think about this, right? Acts 1.8, Jesus tells his disciples, so this is after 40 days, and he's about, after 40 days after he rose from the dead, he's about to, uh, to ascend up into heaven, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Right? Why? Why? Why would he give us his people who trust in Him, why would He give us His Holy Spirit? God's empowering presence given to us. 
Because the world is still broken. Right? I, I think about Cambodia. And think about how many children there are and women there are in that country who are enslaved. Right? They've been kidnapped or sold, deceived. All for the temporary amusement of some perverted people. It's not just Cambodia, obviously. It's all over the place. Right? How badly they need to know and experience the freedom that comes with the presence of God. Or the, the animus in my country, in Indonesia, thinking about an island, Sumba, I went on a few months ago. And how many altars there are on that island where people sacrifice animals because they live in fear of spirits, demons, right? And so they're scared to death that some demon or some spirit is going to come and kill their child or wipe out their crops or attack them as they're traveling from one village to another. And they live in this fear, this oppression. And so they're sacrificing animals and doing everything they can just to make some unseen spirit happy. And they need to experience the power that comes with the presence of God. College kid in Boston, right? Searching for their identity, their purpose. Why am I here? Right? Just about every college kid asks that question at some point. Why am I here? What's my, what, what am I doing? Was I created? Am I just an accident? Who am I? These big questions of life. And they're taking up the answers that people are giving them, right? In college. And they're surrounded by this, uh, this um, uh, alleged so-called freedom, right? To express and find out who they are. And all the while, they feel no peace and no joy. And how badly they need to know the acceptance and the identity that comes with the presence of God. Or the, you know, good Christian kid. We have some in this, in this room. Good Christian. Put the quotation marks. Right? They know all the right things to do. Right? They know the right Bible verses. They sing the right songs. Right? During worship, they make sure they get their hands up there and they squint their eyes really tight just so everybody knows they're really doing it. Right? And all the while, they have this uh, burden. Right? This immense sense of shame because of their own sin. And they know the standard, and they know they can't reach it. And it wears them out, and it makes them depressed. And even though they're putting on the, the show, they can't escape the fact that the weight is on their shoulders. And how badly they need to know the freedom from that. The freedom that comes in the presence of God. And we can keep multiplying these examples, right? And, and we can come up time and time again. You think about coworkers and classmates and friends and family. And we, we can keep going. But I think you get the point. We have a broken and hurting world. Right? There is suffering and there is pain and there is evil. And we need the hope of the presence of God to come. And that's where we come in. That's where you and I come into the story. You see, because we have experienced the presence of God. Maybe not quite like we want, 
right? Maybe we haven't sensed it fully. Maybe it only comes on special occasions. But we've experienced it. And we know the freedom. And we know the forgiveness that comes with faith in Christ as He gives us His Spirit and empowers us to live for Him. We know that all of this is possible. Freedom, acceptance, joy, peace, forgiveness is possible in the presence of God. Is it not? Right? And so, we're not special. I haven't done anything to earn this. Trust me. Right? If I had to earn this, I, I would not even be close. And yet, I've been given this privilege to proclaim and to bring the presence of God everywhere I go. We all have. Right? We're told to go for a reason. Right? God doesn't just give us His presence. And, and, I, and I don't want to belittle these moments. Right? I've had many moments in my life, many in this church, where I could just sense right, the weight of the presence of God has come. You guys ever have those times? Right? Where you just feel there's just something different. I, I can think of many times in this church where I just, you show up on Sunday like, this is a different Sunday. Right? I just knew it. Had faith group times like that. And, and, but here's the thing. God doesn't give us His presence and He doesn't give us His Spirit so we can have a great Sunday morning service or so you can have warm fuzzies at faith group. Those are all good. When He gives us His presence and tells us to go because that's what the world needs. They need the presence of God. So I, I often think, what if we lived as if this were actually true? Now, it is true, and I think most of us will nod our head in agreement. But what if we made the, the, the conscious effort, right? We had the awareness every day that everywhere I go, I am a carrier of the presence of God. The one thing that the world needs, and I'm bringing it. Again, not because you're special, not because you've done anything to earn it, but because God in His grace has given it to you. And so what, what, what would be different about our campuses, our workplaces, our families, our homes, our city, the nations? If we brought the presence of God with us everywhere we go. Do you realize how bad the world needs this? It is the only hope of the world. And we've got it. God in His grace has given it to broken, hurting people. Right? I'm broken and hurting. I hurt so bad a lot. And yet, I can't escape the fact that God has given me His Spirit and said, hey, now go spread it. Go give it. Because that's what the world needs. So, uh, I love Christmas time. I love the story of the birth of Jesus. Uh, it's, it's great. I, I do worry that our idea of Christmas is too small. Um, I think most of us in this room realize that it's not about consumerism and getting gifts and things like that. But I still think we haven't gone far enough. We haven't really wrestled with the truth that God invaded this earth. And not just invaded this earth once, but He's been doing it time and time again by giving His Spirit to us. You see, the Christmas story, the story of the birth of Jesus, is at its heart a missionary story. It is the, tur- the turning point in the mission of God to rescue and restore His people to His presence. Amen? Because this is what the world needs. I love it. 
I love this season. I love what it stands for. And I love that it's actually true. That God loved us enough and cared enough about this world that He gave us the thing we need. And He gave us His presence. Amen? Can we pray? I need to pray. Father in heaven, we... Um, I think the word that keeps coming to my mind is, is gratitude, thankfulness. Because uh, you've given us something we don't deserve, something we haven't earned. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that in days we're hurting and we're needing that you, you give it to us, Lord. You show us that you're with us. You promise never to leave us. You never forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you make us a part of your story. That this uh, plan of, of redemption and salvation that you started way back at the beginning of time. And you're still unrolling it. You're, you're, you're bringing it out today. And you call us to join in what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, as we, as we worship, as we pray, Father, I, I want to say that we... We invite you to invade us today once again. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your joy and peace. Help those who are hurting in this room to feel the peace, the acceptance, the forgiveness that comes in the presence of God. Help us, Lord, today to know, to experience what you bring, the freedom that comes when you give us your spirit so that we will be empowered to bring it to the world around us. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Danny. Just right where you are, I just want you open yourself up to God in His presence right now.